Welcome back to another episode of NBA Real Talk. We have special guest Bryce Blanchard with us yet again. Bryce, we're glad to have you. Glad to be back, Jordan. So, there's a lot going on in the NBA right now. And when I say a lot, I mean we just heard that Magic stepped down. Why did he step down? Uh, I heard he got HIV. <laughs> I heard he, I heard that too. Oh wait, that already happened. You know what? Prop. First of all, props to Magic for beating that um, for the last what twenty six years or whatever it's been. So how? And first how and foremost, does he beat I, I don't know. It's because he's it's, rich. Uh, apparently, I don't know. It's it's a it's a wonder because in nineteen ninety two, like you didn't live through that past a couple of years. So first of all, props to Magic the man for staying yeah. healthy. He, he's a good dude. He's a great businessman. Uh, the face of the Lakers, an all-time great. Um, but let's let's call a spade a spade here. He was an epic fail as the president of the Lakers. And um, what was he supposed to do? What what was everyone's expectations? Well, I think first of all, when you work for an organization, you have to be willing to pay the price that comes with a full-time job of being the president of a major sports. I mean, along with maybe the Yankees in baseball. Cowboys in football, like probably one of the three most, you know, relevant pro sports franchises ever. And if you're going to be the president of that organization, you have to take everything else in your life and you have to be willing to say la vie to be great at it. And I think Magic didn't realize the price he was going to have to pay working for the man again, even though it was Jeannie Buss, the woman. But he, um, you know, he had to give up everything else, and it was too too stiff of a price pay. I hear he didn't keep office hours, and, you know, he still wanted to talk to other players, and, you know, he failed. If you look at his scorecard, Jordan, it, it, it was miserable. We can break it down. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I think that that was overhyped. It sounds, it sounds amazing having Magic Johnson in your front office. Well, it's a great headline. But it's just a headline. It's, they're like the fine print is he actually isn't good at his job. Yeah, you got to be willing to work. And when you're a made man with all the enterprises and fame and just lifestyle that he enjoyed, he's not going to go grind. You know, he's going to try to use his influence and stardom to get LeBron. And clearly, if you look at his two year tenure, getting LeBron was his shining moment. And that was. The only thing that really went well for him, and we can list off the failures, among which we've got no playoffs in two years. Nope. And everybody p- predicted them as, you know, at least a five seed in the West and maybe competing if they get a free agent for, you know, home f- home court advantage. Even if LeBron doesn't get injured, maybe a seventh or eighth seed. Yeah. but They're creeping in. But, but nobody, not. I mean, LeBron hadn't, hadn't made, not, hadn't, Missed the playoffs and, you know, basically his whole career nearly. So the fact that they did that, and you could see it coming, though, because to me, the the pieces they put around LeBron this year were perplexing at best with Lance Stevenson why? and Rondo. It's, why are you putting other playmakers around him instead of skill positions, yeah, well, instead it, of specialists? Either develop, yeah, develop your young guys or get, do what LeBron had in Cleveland and just bring in dudes that can hit threes and let him create. And they brought in weird pieces. I mean, Rondo and Stevenson, those are the two weirdest pieces for me to gel with LeBron. And and McGee, I thought at the time was a weird piece, but to JaVale's credit, he actually had a good year. I thought he, I thought he played well. 
But, I mean, the young guys kind of resented LeBron taking over uh, the entire franchise. Luke Walton was... Well, let's be honest. That's what LeBron does. Yeah. Right? And, and, you know, it's always worked. And there's talk that they're going to bring in Ty Lue to replace Luke Walton. The puppet. So... (laughs) Ty the puppet. I don't know why. Well, I know why. Because LeBron, he just needs a puppet for the head coach. There can only be so many alpha males in one uh, organization. And LeBron wants to be a number one, even ahead of the coach. And that's always been what he's done. And You think that's why he and Kyrie butted heads? Yeah. Yeah, Kyrie wants to be the alpha, wants to be the go-to. Yeah, yeah. and he was, you know, at times the best player in that series. But Kyrie probably realizes he had a pretty good deal playing with LeBron. And I think LeBron realizes he should have deferred a little more to Kyrie and allowed them to be co-equals in many respects. And if I think LeBron had it to do over with, he would – I mean, I'd bet he'd try to get Kyrie back. I mean, we know how that story goes. It'll be interesting to see. I just feel like, what does LeBron do now? Magic was the reason he went there in the first place, right? Nah, I think it was part of the reason. I think he wanted to be the king of L.A. And set himself up. I mean, he's already doing production things with... Space um, Jam. Yeah, yeah, other things. So, I mean, he's he's parlaying the end of his playing career to a major media market he can attract other great free agents to. As well as being in L.A. You're not running a multimedia company out of Cleveland. Do you think, though, that uh, LeBron cares more about being popular and being well-liked and being the most famous athlete ever rather than just being the best? Just being the true GOAT? Because one of these days we will battle to the death. Yeah. The LeBron MJ thing, but this year is kind of hurting LeBron's case. <laughs> yeah, I you know. I like having that conversation today more than last year at this time. But I would say LeBron is a realist. I think he wants to finish strong and get another ring or two. But to me, his his focus is it's not happening split. in LA though. I'm listen. I'm not going to say it can't still. It, not if know. Golden State stays intact. Yeah. Well, that's they a won't. big if. That's a big if. So I think LeBron still has a chance to to pull it off. But one of the things to me, Magic has his own personal reasons for stepping down. I think the Heat was getting cranked up. And he was right on the precipice of starting to have his irrefutable legacy as one of the greatest ever in Mr. Laker start to be worn away. And he realized, I got to jump off this ship now because it's going to get brutal over the next year or two. And my upside is not as high as my downside if this doesn't go well. So he hit the abort mission button because the risk return no longer penciled. And when you get a lot of things wrong, you send off D'Angelo Russell, who was clearly now he's a player, the best player of that young group. You keep ball, um, you trade Zubak, you, you, some, you know his fingerprints were on that Anthony D- Davis debacle in cahoots with the agent in the Pelicans, well, not in spite of the Pelicans, but with with Davis, and that blew up in it their face. It seems like everything related to Rich Paul is starting to blow up. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's it's not been it's not been good, and he's got he's had the tampering things, you know, where he wants to be all things to all people rather than be the man at uh, L.A. It just wasn't enough, but I just think he didn't want to pay the price of working for somebody, and that was the high moral ground for him to take and say, hey, I just I want to be happy and be all things to all people. The The reality is, and he should have said this to me, he would have got more credibility is he wasn't great. And the Lakers are better off without him. And they are. 
Well, what happens though? Because they're still going to suck, right? They don't really well, have pieces that people no, want. Yeah, they don't. But here's the thing. Big time free agents, right? Yeah. I got to think that none of them are shooing or Magic probably would have stayed in the summer. If it was a deal already wink, wink, cut with one of the big time free agents, I think Magic stays for the summer. So the fact that he steps down does tell me they don't have a deal in the bag yet. But with the amount of talent that's out there and the opportunity to play in L.A. with LeBron, I do think somebody's going to go there of significance this offseason. Do you think people still want to play with LeBron, though? Because you got to admit, Bryce, like with we play a lot of ball, and it would be hard to play with someone that has the ball in their hands 90% of the time that's not really the point guard. And then at the end of the shot clock, they give the ball to you with two or three seconds left, and you're expected to make that shot. It's almost like he sets these guys up for failure, like he's trying to make a statement of, look at this crap that I have to deal with. He wasn't a great teammate this year. There's was, no doubt about a it. A terrible leader, for yep. sure. His defensive effort, his transition hustle, the way he talked in the media, he got a little bit of a God complex. And when he anointed himself the greatest ever on his own little show, I was like, that's... that's uh, People start to resent your greatness when you start being the one that pats yourself on the back, your yeah. teammates included. And so I think LeBron's head got a little big. And listen, he has every right to know that he's the man. I think most talented for sure. Yeah, I mean, he's when special. It, when it comes to goat, though, I kind of want to yeah. go. I kind of want to go with <laughs> yeah. the guy. Welcome. I'm just saying. Welcome back to the MJ camp. I'm just saying. <laughs> I want someone to want to rip your heart out. Have the Hannibal Lecter attributes just I, I don't know it, it's just been a bummer and it'll be interesting to see how things play out we could talk about LeBron forever it's just been a huge disappointment as yeah, a whole listen I'm I'm thrilled I, I'm, I'm a I'm not a Laker fan the Lakers have won a lot love to see them struggle six years out of the playoffs is awesome magic failing but well, do I don't wish the him Lakers any- Yes, I actually do. You hate, hate, yes, no, hate it's not like the Kobe days. No, you got to understand. I grew up a Portland Trailblazer fan, Jordan. Oh, when the so, Brian Grant days, hey, when all, all the days, all the days, the '80s, the '90s, you name it. Yeah. I, I suffered a lot of misery at the hands of the Lakers, and then the 2000s where they knocked the Jazz out. You know, back to back years in the Western Conference Finals with the Derek Fisher debacle and all that. I mean, listen, they've contributed. Derek Fisher. They've contributed to a lot of pain in my life. You know, being a Jazz fan for the first half of my life and or second half in Portland, the first half. So I love to see him fail. I got to own that. I'm, not, I'm a little biased on this one. You can hate him. It's, yep. okay, it's, okay, it's okay to hate him. I, sure. And what, Magic failed. Like I said, lo- I, in many ways, I love Magic. Love everything about what he stands for and the guy that he is, the way he gives back to the community and dude won rings and all that's good. But the fact is he failed as a president. Well, it's like you said in a previous podcast, when a really healthy organization that flourishes is one where – there's a there's a great line or like a direct line of communication between the coaching staff, the players, and all the higher ups, GMs, um, yeah. president of basketball operations alignment. And you have, and I don't know how dysfunctional LA is with the Bus family, but like the Dan Gilberts, the James Dolans that are kind of micromanagers, control freaks. They want all the attention all the time. Yeah, you know those are just dumpster fires yeah so zion yeah zion do you trade lebron for zion 
Yeah, I mean a thirty-five-year-old LeBron, right? Next year, I mean, you with have mileage. To, you have to at least versus, consider it. Oh no, no, I don't consider it. I do that. Okay, tell me if you for do, sure. Tell me if you do this though, because most Jazz fans would crucify me for saying this. I would package Donnie, Rudy, and Jinglin' Joe for Zion tomorrow, and the reason <laughs> I do that is because you have a legitimate. I think. Because Zion does everything off the ball so well. I can't get there on that one. I, I'm, I'm just telling you, you have a legitimate superstar in the making because Gobert and Donnie are both fringe players. Jinglin Joe's an amazing role player. But you have you have a superstar that's going to be here for at least seven years, and he does everything off the ball. Zion is like that hot stock that you want to. It's like Amazon. that stock is going it's up. Like Netflix. It's more like more shoes explode on his feet. Yeah, I just. And you're right. Maybe my jazz bias because I would do it for LeBron, but that's in, for me an age play. Donovan's in his prime in year two. Rudy's in his prime in year five. But with the current team that we have, I mean, it's a. You need players to win in today's NBA, right? We I yeah, think we have arguably the best talent. the best coach. We have the best interior defender. Donovan Mitchell is almost top 20 player right now. I look at... Listen, if the All-Star game was chosen at the end of the year, he's on it. Yes. He struggled in the first 20 games, but he found himself again this year. But as good as that team is, the Jazz, as well coached as they are, disciplined. um, Zion could be a generational player. But to me, it is a could be. Is it enough to be a true contender? I I don't know. Well, no, not today. The, The Jazz need one more big piece. But my sense of the league is if you can get a um, a guy like Donovan who's both an alpha male but also a very good teammate, basketball-centric guy. He's not in it for the scene. Um, he's not even paid big yet. You got Rudy who's a defensive stopper and just a total grinder that wants to win. You get guys that are focused on the basketball side of the NBA. I believe, I truly believe in the next – Year to max two, we land here in Utah the piece to that puzzle that says, I want to go compete with Donovan, Rudy, and those guys and win a ship. Paul George stayed in OKC. Now he got paid a lot more, but he... That's true. That is... uh, Would you rather live in OKC or Salt Lake? I mean, that's a fair fight. Guys land in Minnesota. Jimmy Butler took a deal in Minnesota. Guys land in San Antonio. I mean, there's other no, markets. No, that's a good point. It could happen. It's just looking bleak with Utah's history. Yeah. Of no, no stars is. wanting to come here. Carlos Boozer not even having a house the whole time. A house in Utah the whole time he was out here. I just, I mean, and that may be a little extreme. I just think it's, it hey, could you, be a you European. can t- you can It could t- be a European. You can tend <laughs> or bust. So, with the transitioning, with the NBA season coming to a close, are there any teams that have been just a total surprise? Well, for sure the Clippers. I mean... Yeah, and you you got me on this. Because I said, I thought Doc Rivers was one of the most overrated coaches ever. Yeah. Based on, you have... you have They traded Tobias Harris in the middle of the year. I couldn't believe it. You have freaking DJ, Blake Griffin, Chris Paul, and you can't get out of the first round of the playoffs? Are you kidding me? Right. You can't get past the Jazz... And Joe Johnson, who can barely yeah. move, is torching him. Yeah. You know, Doc. Doc worked his wonders in in L.A. I would say Denver. Uh, Mike Malone. He was. I mean, Denver being the two seed, maybe three seed, depending on tonight. 
that's a huge shock. I mean, anybody would have had him higher than eighth in the West. I, I want to see that because um, it didn't happen in the preseason. So Malone and the Nuggets, huge, huge And upside. they're young. So. Yeah, young and tremendous guard play combined with Jokic. They're super deep. They played lousy last night. But um, Denver, huge surprise. I mean, Milwaukee being the number one overall seed, best record in the league, anybody, you know, it looks like they were on the right trajectory, but they locked it in this year. And then they had some injuries towards the end, and they still just kept winning. So I would put them as a surprise that they did that well. Well, Buttonholzer turned their entire team around. Yeah, so him him or Malone, to me, are the two greatest, you know, shots Tur- at Coach of the Year. You know, Toronto was actually surprised. Yeah, Nurse, Nick Nurse, love Nick Nurse. We talked about him before. Um, they're going to they're gonna be a real threat in the East. I mean, the East has got four, the top four seeds there. It's going to be a pick em. Whether it's you know you got Philly and Boston to go with Toronto and the the, the quarterfinals that are the semifinals in the East those four teams that's those tough. series are gonna be fun those will be fun who do you have or who do you like yeah if we break it down to me that I said before I don't think the Bucks can win a championship because nobody wins it out of nowhere you always have to take your lumps for a couple years in the playoffs before you win a title so even though they've got a lot of pieces they also have the injuries with Brogdon Gasol and Meritage so. The Bucks to me, are definitely not a sure thing to come out of the East because of the lack of experience. Um, Boston could, in fact, out of the four seed, catch lightning in a bottle. I absolutely agree. That's I probably Yeah. I probably, if I had to bet, I'd probably bet on Boston because they've got guys, even though they're young, that have been there. Kyrie's a closer. They're deep. Uh, they're hungry. Stevens is a good coach in theory, although he's not been great this year. His guys haven't responded that well to him. Hayward's actually starting to play well now. Yeah, yeah. He's got some trust in his body. So they, they could catch lightning in a bottle, and they could come out of the East. I'm probably betting on them. Philly, like their pieces. Are they just dysfunctional, though? Um, Like too many ball-dominant players? Yeah, I mean, for me, it, it'll go. Here's what I'm per, what I'm forecasting for yeah. Philly. And I can't wait for this to be true. Ben Simmons' lack of ability to handle the ball in the clutch and knock down free throws is going to cost him a playoff series. Mark my word, April 10th, Bryce said it here, Jordan. They lose a playoff series, and a large factor will be Ben Simmons' inability to hit free throws in close games as their primary ball handler. He will play hot potato with that thing, and it's going to cost them. Okay, that's my prediction for Philly. Otherwise, other than that, I like Philly's pieces. I like Toronto's pieces. That Final Four is going to be awesome. Five through eight are not worth talking about in the East because none of them win. Or, the first yeah, Orlando's made a huge Nah, I mean, good push. story, but they're not advancing. The West, though, is wide open if Golden State gets an injury. <laughs> if they don't, if, if come on. And honestly... If Kevin Durant gets hurt, I think they could still win it all. Well, that's that's what's crazy is they could overcome an injury. The boogie thing has not been a disaster, which is, um, a, you know, I, I would have bet that I would have been tougher on them culturally. But he's, to his credit, he's actually done a decent job of not screwing things up there. Portland's, you know, tough luck continues with big guys and their injuries. Hey, speaking of that injury, is that the gnarliest thing you've ever seen? Yeah, I still don't get the physics of it because he wasn't that high and the dude's built like a Clydesdale. And he didn't really come down on his foot. Right. It was just like the the inertia of his body. But when you've got two bones, I mean, he is, that dude is thick. So I still, to me, that's a that's an unsolved mystery that his two bones could fail him like that. It had to be something going on in the hairline or something. Fracture before. Stress fracture. Something. You could hear it. It was gnarly. So, 
I think the Jazz, so say the Jazz match up with them. It looks like the Trailblazers are going to tank tonight and so, lose to the Kings. Are they that scared of OKC, though? They want no part of OKC. Why? OKC has beat them all four times, if I'm not mistaken, this year. But why? Just matchup problems or what? Because you would feel like Damon McCollum would have no problem. Yeah, I don't know. It's It's got to come down to – here's the thing about OKC – when they have an axe to grind, they're really good. They've also swept the Jazz this year because of last year's playoff series. So do the Jazz want to face off with OKC? Um, well, they would prefer that to Houston, but they here's how it's likely going to happen. Because they're locked into the five seed, they don't get to see OKC because they're round two matchup. Should they prevail? If Portland tanks tonight, which they look like they're tanking because they'd rather play Utah than OKC, Mm-hmm. Then that's the four or five matchup, and they're playing. Whoever wins there is playing Golden State. So while the Jazz, in theory, I don't think the Jazz won OKC anyway. I think they know they got away with it last year. Yeah, and OKC's had their number this year. The Jazz, in a weird way, match up fairly. It'll be a fun series against Golden State. They're not going to win it, but they'll play hard. They'll steal a game or two. Um, but let's be honest, no one's beating five All NBA players. No. It's just silly. No, it's it's unfortunate for the league. I mean, here's the thing. Houston did have them up 3-2 last year. Did you think Golden State was ever even worried, though? I feel like hey, they were. You know I what? Like Mike Tyson wasn't worried against Buster Douglas, 42-1, to man. You don't uh, yeah. mess with – you know, that's the thing is I think Golden State last year, Houston, when, they, when you got a guy like Harden that can fill it up, you don't play with fire. And they were down 3-2. They could have lost that series. It would have been an epic fail. But – you know, you don't give a puncher a chance at your jaw. And they gave a puncher a chance at their jaw. And they may do that again. I mean, they seem heavily distracted. It's just in a series, though. Like, the whole March Madness. I know. Listen, I want it to be true. It's not. It's likely not. Yeah, in a series, usually the best team always wins unless there's an atomic meltdown. Um, I will tell you OKC this. I've said this have, before. Though. The refs are against. Uh, uh, the refs, as a group, are not Golden State fans. They lead the league in techs. They have this entitlement mentality that they get all the calls. Um, the refs. And the refs matter in playoff series. The, here's another prediction for the playoffs. Yeah. There will be a game or two or three that in the end, Golden State's going to be on the back on the on the ass end of some some tough calls. I think the NBA and the refs by extension do not want to see boat races in the playoffs. And I look for Golden State to get teched early, and I look for them to be on the wrong side of close calls at the end of games. More often than not, now I think that, the tide has turned. That, no, that, that that is interesting. So how about this? End of the season, I know people, are, you know, fans are funny. They're like, you know, we match up well against Golden State, whatever. It's like, <laughs> look, Golden State's just trying not to get hurt yeah, I know. going into the playoffs. But the last few weeks, Durant's not shooting more than six, seven, eight shots a game. Why is that? Why is he? He's. It's almost like he's just deferring. I feel like he's kind of making a statement. Yeah, I, I mean, to me, the regular season for them is irrelevant. It's like a a meth addict taking taking marijuana. It, it doesn't even move yeah. the needle, right? Once you've had the sauce of a championship two times, three out of four, you you can't get up for the lesser drug of the regular season. Right. It just doesn't give you the high you need. So they'll they'll just turn it on and turn it off. They'll flip the switch. Some guys will be like, hey, it's your night. Go get yours. Just, I'm maybe nursing an injury, so I'm going to be easy. I'm out this game for load management. I'm, they just have 
the regular season, if they wanted to beat their own record of total wins in a year this year, I think they could have potentially. But they're just bored, basically. Right. Well, they just yeah, it's just. And they do you think they have? Like, I'm seriously asking this. Do you think they have side bets during the game? <laughs> like, they just, you know, they're just dicking around. They don't care. Maybe. Maybe. They got to do something to keep themselves interested. You know. So, well, KD, though, what do you see KD doing after they win this year? Because I think it's uh, a K- 95% yeah, lock K- that K- Golden State runs away Yeah, KD, in many ways, is a tortured soul. Because what he craves the most is respect in life. And we've talked about this before. He can't get it at Golden State. And so I think now that he has his rings and he's got that part of his resume. So he'll have scoring multiple scoring champ, all-star MVP, finals MVP, several rings. Now you look at your resume, right? Yep. You say, what's missing? What's missing is you never were the best player on a championship team that you put together or you were the lead guy. You joined an existing stud group with Golden State and you couldn't get it done with Westbrook. And so what's missing is for him to have his own identity. Um, so where does he get that identity? So so, so it depends on how free agency can play out. I could see him going to the Knicks. It's crazy that that sounds. Why? Because I've, I've he's already heard, got rings now. I've actually Think of what Brooklyn. he doesn't have. He doesn't have... A story where he came in and it's his team, and then player ABC came to play with him, and it's his team. Golden State was a made team already. Best record ever. Right, and already a championship the year before. Yep. The best record. So, to me, what's missing on Katie's resume is the respect that follows you. I mean, when Nowitzki won a, won a t- title with Dallas... Mad props. He was the best player on the team that won it. And it and they weren't just boat racing everybody with five all NBA players. When even, no, those were role players. Right. When 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 Dwayne Wade got his first one with Shaq, yes, he had a dominant big man, but it was his team. So even though Dwayne, you know, that was the only ring with that era, it meant a ton. And you, you look at the other guys that got rings, Houston, Lajuan, it you know, that was special. He got his rings. When you look at Golden State, it's never gonna it, that story's never gonna be about Durant. No, and never. he needs now a story that ends with a title that was him being the lead actor. Right. Well, and Steph, in my mind, Steph's more valuable to that team than KD is. Right? When 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 Steph's out, the they point struggle. is Steph was already there. Yeah. Clay was already there. Draymond was already there. Steve Kerr was already there. He joined a historically good team. And because of that, he lacks the respect in the full resume. When LeBron won his titles, they're LeBron's titles. KD has to share those titles with it was just it was it was the what do they call them the something five back what, east the, the Fab Five Wait, no not five? the Fab Five um, the Hampton Five with oh. Iguodala that's the name of those guys I would have never guessed that by the way the, the Hampton, Hampton five. five yeah that's what they call those five dudes that close out games because he is not an alpha male on that team it's it's truly an elite um, all star team. And you only get so much respect for being part of an elite all-star team that does what they should do. Big deal. Right. Nowitzki's one title is worth, to me, way more than Durant's two. I agree. Hands down. I agree, 100%. So, all-stars. So, funny thing. So, you had an interesting conversation with uh, with an all-star. <laughs> Former. <laughs> probably the shortest all-star all time. Yeah, I'll tell you I, I what. Unless Muggsy Bogues was an all-star. No, I don't think, I don't think he so. ever was. Five, three and a half. I love Muggs. So what's the story there with IT? Yeah, well, I, I, I shared with you chapter one Isaiah Thomas story on a previous podcast. And for those that maybe didn't catch that one, the story was 
he was playing out the string with Cleveland trying to come back from his hip injury. He'd been out for nine months. And he wanted to play against the Jazz. And this was before he got shipped to L.A. And he was walking up and down the sidelines. He ended up playing the next night for the first time in nine months at Portland. And IT would not sit down. And he was talking to our guys. He was being defiant to his own players and coaches. He was on tilt all night. And I'm sitting in the first row behind the Cavs bench. And he just won't sit down, won't shut up. So finally, midway through the fourth quarter, I yell to no one in particular, hey, somebody get that little cheerleader off the floor. <laughs> <laughs> and he went bananas, right? Full. He turned around, came at me in the middle of the game with the security holding him back. You know who I effing am. You know who I effing am. And he and I went back and forth, and he, you know, he threatened to kill me and blah, blah, blah. I flexed. I did a nice bicep flex on him. We had a funny exchange. Some dude caught part of it on tape. Um, and that's where Isaiah and I left it. He never got in that game, and he just hated the fact that I called him a little cheerleader. I mean, he went crazy. So uh, he goes to L.A. We don't so get he, so he's got little man syndrome for oh, sure. Oh, for sure, and he's not five nine. And listen, I'm a short point guard, so I, I've got nothing. How tall is he? I got nothing in short point. He's maybe five seven, maybe. Wow. So last night he's back in the building for the second time since then. I missed the other game. I wasn't in town when he was with Nuggets earlier this year. So he's back in town. I'm back in my normal seat behind the Nuggets bench. By the way, Jokic was asleep last night. But how about Beasley and those guards? I mean, those guys could ball out. They're tough. The guard play. So Isaiah, the night before, or the, I think Sunday night, had shot them out of the Trailblazer game, a game that they needed, and he, he was like, I don't know, two for 12 or something. So he's That's not so bad. He's so he's your so point bad. guard can't chuck and expect to win games. No, and they don't need him. They got Murray. Um, they got Harris. Denver's loaded at the guard position, so he doesn't fit there. He's out of the rotation. They give him his little cameos from time to time. But last night, it's apparent that he's not getting in, and he's not happy about it. In the fourth quarter, he's standing up the entire time. Now I've been waiting to engage with them because I know once there's engagement, it might end up with me in the tunnel giving a statement to NBA security right. or somebody catching something on film. So I'm like, I'm just going to play it cool. I'm going to wait for that softball to come in right over the middle of the plate. And when I see it, I'm going to, I'm going to jump on it and I'm going to park that thing. And luckily another fan provided a perfect assist. So a dude that's facing Isaiah and he won't sit down again. And he's talking to our guys and he's just being, he's just being a little Turkey. And, um, one of the guys that's facing him says, Isaiah, sit down. And Isaiah just starts profaning this dude and telling him he's not going to sit down. And then they, the two of them go at it for, you know, a minute. And when it quiets down, and Isaiah's defiant. He won't sit down. <laughs> and it's quiet. And I yell to our fan right over the top of Isaiah's head from my spot. On the, I said, it's okay. Players sit. The cheerleaders stand. Oh, he didn't like that. <laughs> the best thing about it, Jordan, was... He had no comeback. He looked me right in my eyes. If looks could kill, I'd be lying on the floor. But he couldn't even say a word. Well, what's he going to say? He is a cheerleader. He, he's that, not playing. He's just a cheerleader. But the fact that I went back to the cheerleader card was more than he could take. Um, and uh, so I got another another good one over on Isaiah. You know, the whole fan banter, I understand that there are times where fans take it too far. But at the same time, that's what makes a hostile environment hostile. It's fun. It's part of the NBA. You, I mean, it's got, you've got to be able to talk trash or just play every game at a neutral site and flip a coin. Like, who cares? Well, you, and anybody that understands basketball culture knows it is a game of trash talk. 
And the players are the best ones at it. The best. And so uh, the fact that you're going to try to regulate fans um, from having that engagement, it's different than baseball. It's different than football. You have that kind of personal proximity to the players, which is the reason people pay the big money, which the players get. So you're welcome. We're paying you for this proximity. Yeah. So at the end of the day, you got the money. So just high five us and take take a little smack talk. Yeah. Be a man. But listen, I, I do want to say this, and I KSL came and interviewed me after Gail Miller's statement. I do want to be really, really clear that while I'm a huge proponent in player fan interaction, I do think there needs to be, I mean, an absence of anything that could be construed as you know racist yeah, or don't, personal or profane there's no place for that you don't take it at all too far no like and, and it doesn't have to be vulgar to be fun no and you mostly know? it's in the context of the game and if people can't take a little good-natured ribbing then shame on them because the players i mean they're going at each other the whole time and, and the fans pay the big bucks but i mean we do want to create a respectful culture we, we don't need disrespect um and at some point in time you know guys don't deserve to hear things that are personal or profane or certainly racist but some good banter is part of what makes the nba a blast you know it's funny so jordan binning who you met the other day so he's he's at that game with the jazz are playing brooklyn and jared dudley walks out of the tunnel and he just goes yo dudley how the hell are you still in the league you're pounding krispy creams just something like that and he said within 10 seconds Security details around him because yeah. they don't want him talking yeah. at all. They shut it down. And him and Dudley are just like joking back and forth. Yeah. So it's just... It, it's it, We live in a age of, of um, political correctness, and it's a little unfortunate. But, you know, everybody's got to have a good sense of themselves and their audience and what's, what's good and what's not good. But, I mean, the new interpretation by NBA security is they don't want the players or the refs' names coming out of your mouth. They're now expanding the the word personal in the NBA fan code of conduct policy. That when they say don't say things that are personal, they're saying like don't say their names, which I think is swinging the pendulum too far. But I mean, here's the thing: you just, I mean, you just got to kind of know. And and I made it my business to know how to have fun and to be, um, you know, involved with good fun banter. And you know, sometimes I agitate people, and that's fine. That's part of the game, but. You know, as long as it's it's not the things we talked about before, it, it should right. it should be encouraged. But you know, everybody's got to pick pick their battles in life. So, as the year's winding down, getting into playoffs, who's your MVP? Oh man, that's tough. I mean, it definitely comes down to Harden or the Greek Freak. For me, Harden is a total anomaly. What he's been able to do, scoring wise. Because everybody knows what he's going to do, and they can't. He still does stop it. it, and but so I'll give him that, and he has ramped up. I think he's in the top five in the league in steals, but steals sometimes are a misnomer. It means you're willing to gamble. It doesn't. It's not a great um, on the surface stat to cover defensive prowess. It's just the guys that are willing to gamble a little more sometimes. Right. I would tell you this. To me, fifty percent of the game is played on defense. And Giannis's full package probably sneaks out the MVP award for me because he can switch and guard anybody one through five. That's totally special. There's only a handful of guys that can do that in the league. LeBron's one of them. KD's probably one of them. Yep. Um, but so he, the Draymond's one of them. He can guard anybody one through five, which gives you so much defensive flexibility. 
He is such an unselfish player. He's a he great teammate. He's totally competitive. He's a class act. His averages are through the roof. He's super efficient. I think he's shooting just under 60% from the field. He's averaging 28 a game, which is yeah, a lot. Just massive stats. And I'll tell you this. The league at the end of the day is about W's and getting paid and rings. And Yeah, it's true. It's about winning. Harden is playing for a team that's battling for the three and four seed. Giannis led the best team in the regular season. He was the best player on the best team, and he's a two-way player. He's a leader. His guys respect him. Yeah. So I just when I weigh and he's all freaking out, strong too. Oh my gosh! The, his finishes is just like what do you do? Do you if you shade him one way, he euro steps around you and dunks on you. If you back off him, he's a capable shooter. And if you do back off him, he can also just take up the space and then just just play through you. Because he's so long and strong. Interesting, he's unselfish. Interesting quote by him. So he was actually offered a role in Space Jam 2. Oh, really? Yep. And he turned it down and he said, I get enough of Hollywood with what I do every day. I'm just concerned about winning basketball games. God, I love that. You know? And that's the thing. You see Hard, he's making the commercial circuits. You know, he's doing all the stuff with Allstate and Beard Cream, I'm sure, whatever he's doing. But Giannis just, he like, he's just all business, dude. And, you know, he's playing in Milwaukee, and he embraces it. I mean, when was the last time Milwaukee had the best player in the league? Or even top five player? I'm trying to think. I mean, Ray Allen was maybe top ten. Ma- ma- we got to go back to Lou Al Cinder. I was going to say, <laughs> Glenn Robinson no! for like a year no, was maybe top, top 20. 20. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but Ray Allen's maybe Ray top Allen. ten for a minute. But I mean Milwaukee, he's made that franchise. I mean they're not there's a lot of good teams in the league. There's a lot of A list star guys. He's the best player on the best team that plays two way basketball at he he might be the defensive player of the year, right? Yeah. And lead the league in offensive efficiency. I, I mean I can see that. I just think you can't like what you're saying about Harden. I the reason I give it to Harden is whether you love or hate his game, that guy just finds a way to get it done. It's crazy. And he can kill you without hitting from the field because he gets your best player, your best defender in foul trouble, and he'll shoot 20 of them a game, 20 free throws, you know, and uh. he just lights out. Like, you see his stat line, and again, the whole triple-double thing, I'm not saying that it's a guy like Russell Westbrook devalues it because you still got to go up and grab those rebounds. You still have to have guys that finish for you to get the assist. But when Harden's had, I think it's three games where he's had 50-point triple-doubles, Oh, that's sickening. I, I, you, you, you could sway me the other way. I mean, Harden... You can make a case for Harden. It's To me, it's so close. It's almost too close and to call 30... 30-point games in a row, you could have an off night. You're just not hitting. The defenses can double-team you, triple-team you, whatever. He's still getting it done. And these are NBA defenders. He's not playing against kids. Yeah. And and Houston did have some injury problems this year. Uh, Paul was out for a while. Uh, Capella was out for a while. So, I mean, he shouldered the load in a heroic fashion. It's it's a close call, dude. So, so. Kind of to, to wrap up with a mailbag, we do have some questions. One of them's really dumb, and I say we just start with that. Yeah, okay. Because it's let's really shoot the dumb. Last Buffalo. And and sorry, um, Helen from Kansas City who sent this in. 
I'm not trying to pick on you. I just feel like this is a really silly question. So we're gonna we're going to anyways. All right. Okay, would the best college team beat the worst NBA team? Oh, Helen. I mean, first of all, my condolences on your Chiefs. That was brutal. They could have had a Super Bowl. That was rough. But um listen, the way it works in the league is you've got grown men and you got eight to ten rotation guys that every one of them was the best player, likely on a D1 high-profile program or from overseas, there's no way on earth ever in the history of the world that the best college team is beating ever. the worst ever. NBA team. Same I don't care who you football, are. Football, Alabama. No. no if they Stop. play the Browns, Jacksonville. It's grown men against boys. It's, yeah. Paid professionals. These guys were the best player on their college teams. It'd be like a college all-star team plus an average of five years in the league and all their man muscle coming in. No way. Yeah. Sorry, Helen. Sorry. Go Chiefs, though. Yeah, go Chiefs. Good luck. <laughs> so here's a question from Greg in Minnesota, in Minneapolis. He says, can you build a team to beat Golden State with only three all-stars on it? Well, let's start with Greek Freak. Could Greek Freak play with Harden? Yes, because Jonas does not need the ball to do awesome things. So if right. you put, let's just start right there. Harden is is in your backcourt. Okay. Greek Freak's in your front court. Now, do we want to add a knockdown shooter, a dominant big, or a true point? Say, I think with Harden, you don't need a true point guard. I don't, I don't think you need a dominant big because they spread you out. Yeah, and they can put. So let's go Harden, Antetokounmpo, and Paul George. PG, huh? I don't know. I'm throwing it out there. I mean, he can shoot. I like it. He's a guy also that plays well with a ball-dominant guy because look what he does with Russ. He's unselfish. He plays two ways. You Think of the defense you have with Paul George and Antetokounmpo. Phew. No, that's true. That, put, put those three really, on a team? That's a really good question. I, I honestly think if you put... They could guard. They yeah. can guard the Warriors and just switch. That's the thing. Everything. You can't... You can't def- the reason Golden State's so tough is because you can't help off defensively. Okay, that's my three. So that actually works. I mean, if they... I, you don't... Uh, the, we don't know who the fourth and fifth guys are there. What's our cap space less for... Four? Well, let's just say... I mean, and then you, a can couple have, f- you can have role players. Yeah, you gotta I would a, just I would just have another... As long as I got other guys the right shoot. role players... I think those three dudes, I'd, I'd go to battle against Golden State. I, I'd like my chances. Yeah, I like that. I, I would say something similar. I'd actually have, I don't know, that's hard. It's funny I left LeBron off the list. Well, I was going to start how, with LeBron. How far has he fallen in a year? Yeah. But, Last year, that conversation starts with LeBron well, as the first of the three All-Stars. I'll admit LeBron. A year later, has, it doesn't. LeBron has been a cheese dick this year. I'll admit that. But... I still start with him, and I would have. So you say LeBron, Greek Freak, and Harden? I would have. I would have LeBron, yeah, Greek Freak, and AD. Ooh. It's and then cool. the people I would surround around them are just guys that can catch and shoot and do nothing else. Yeah, it'd be fun. I don't know, but that's an interesting question. You know, the NBA could make a lot of funny and uh, fun money in the off season if they did some pay per views and, oh, and allowed. Two, two different five-man groups to just pick, like a pickup game that you have mm-hmm. refs and score, though, and yeah. let five dudes that are on five different teams play five other dudes and let everybody gamble on it. Yeah. And the NBA take a share and have the players take a profit share. They would kill it in pay-per-view. I'd pay for that. 
If they were playing hard, not an all-star game, like a true grudge match. I think you're onto something here. Oh my gosh, I think we just hatched a. But I'm worried though. The they business would, idea. They, they would throw the game and it would be fixed and it'd be you know. Nah, I don't know. But I do. I, I do like. Something. I do like that a lot. Pay per view. Let's do it. Okay, so this is from Debbie in Colorado. She says, "How important is home court advantage in the NBA?" Um, it is huge in the playoffs. Because there's no back-to-backs, you get time to scout. The fans are just amped up every game. You know, sometimes it's a Tuesday night in January, right? And it's like, okay, it, you know, just everybody's tired, and you know, you got the Wizards in town. But in the <laughs> in the playoff series, it's rival city. It's everybody's geared up, and so I think I think it's big time. I don't know. We should research out what the stats are. On a win loss, home versus away in the playoffs. My guess is, I bet it's seventy thirty. I bet the home team wins seventy percent of playoff games. Let's take the first round out of it because you got a lot of just eight seeds that are getting killed by one seeds, yeah. and that's not really fair. But if you go to rounds two, three, and four of the playoffs and said home team win loss record, I bet it's seven out of ten. I bet you're pretty close. Let's figure there. that out next podcast. Deliver that stat for us. That right? that, that is interesting. I think that. Home court is incredibly important for small market teams. Yep. But when Golden State's in your <laughs> conference, your side of the bracket, it doesn't matter if they're the eight seed. Yeah, well, they're an outlier. We can't, We, you know, they, they change the conversation. It, it's hard to win on the road in any scenario. Yeah. Even in crappy cities, it's hard to be on your A game. Yeah, you know. and you know t- the thing too is referees. I'm big into referee psychology. Those guys are human beings, and when people are cheering for you to make certain calls, people prefer to be cheered than booed. And it only takes a couple calls in close games to make a, a tangible difference in the outcome. I'm not saying they do it on purpose. I'm just saying they're it's human nature, and referees respond to home crowd pressure. Indeed, they do. All right, so the last question, Bryce. This one's actually hilarious. Do you secretly want to buy a pair of Kawhi Leonard's New Balance shoes, <laughs> but would you just be too weirded out in wearing them in public, wearing them at the gym? Would you uh, be uncomfortable wearing them in public? But do you want them? I have no interest in New Balance. <laughs> this isn't Matt Bonner. Ever. Okay. No, the, the answer for me is an easy no on all the above. <laughs> I have no interest in Kawhi, New Balance, wearing them in public, private, Demoing them, I knew you had me. You lost me on this question when you said the word "New Balance." <laughs> I'll be honest. If they were given to me as a gift, <laughs> I would still put them in the fireplace where they belong. I'm out. So that wraps it up for this episode of NBA Real Talk. Bryce, thanks again as always for coming out. We'll get you back on real soon. Good times. Can't then, wait for those playoffs. I mean, before we shut it off, any crazy predictions or? Golden State has it in the bag. Short of an injury, man, it's uh, it's pretty predictable. But do look for the refs. There's going to be an anti-Golden State movement that's going to happen, and uh, but they're going to overcome it, sadly. That's the prediction. Yes, they will indeed. All right, you guys, until next time. Thanks.